I'm Vanessa Potter, and this is Finding Your Right Mind, a podcast that champions citizen science and investigates the many different ways in which we can improve our own health and well-being, giving us less stressful, more connected and happier lives. Wouldn't that be a nice thing? Parkbath, we love trees. Along with our wonderful volunteers, Elaine and Laura, they're rather like co-workers. And I know many other nature facilitators and forest bathing guides would say the same. Tree behaviours like photosynthesis, feeding and sharing of nutrients and communication are all happening in ultra slow motion. So what we see is rather like a freeze frame of the action, just one moment in time. If we continually notice trees, we get to join all of those moments up and see those changes happening. In this bonus episode, we're going to offer you some fun ways to slow your senses down in a way that allows you to really absorb, feel, smell and enjoy trees. Kirsten and I, along with some of our guests, will provide tips and ideas to get you out into nature, exploring and getting to know your own trees. You may have a local park or there might be a protected woodland nearby. One idea is to watch a tree sleep. Now this might sound bizarre, but visit a tree that is near to where you live, perhaps on the street or in a park, and watch it during the day and then again in the evening and notice whether the branches droop down in the evening because that's a sure sign the tree is asleep. Ellen Devine had a host of information about the work Forestry England do and some helpful tips on British trees to look out for. Hi, I'm Ellen. I work for Forestry England as our Wellbeing Projects Manager and I have the joy of connecting people with the wellbeing benefits of forests. Forestry England has been caring and growing and shaping 1,500 of our nation's forests for over 100 years. Um, And we actually care for more land and trees than any other organisation in England. So chances are there's a Forestry England wood and forest near you. But I think firstly, don't feel a pressure to be able to identify every tree species out there. It can be really difficult. Actually, we're heading into winter. That's quite a difficult time because lots of them have lost their leaves. But if you get out there at the moment, then autumn can be an amazing time to spot some trees that you might not be able to identify at other times of year. So at the moment, larch, uh, which is a conifer, is looking amazing in lots of our forests. It's that brilliant orangey colour. So it almost looks like a Christmas tree that's turned orange. But when we're thinking about what sort of uh, we use terms like British trees, I think it's important to think about what are native trees and what are trees that you might frequently see in British woodlands, but actually might not be native. So there are about 40 to 70 species of native trees, depending on who you ask. And that's defined as trees that were in Britain at the end of the last ice age. Most of our native trees will be broadleaf trees, so things like oak. There are some native conifers, so yew, scots pine and juniper are native conifers to Britain. 
But if you're then thinking about different woods, so where people might be, if you're in a coniferous plantation, that's where you'll see your sort of Douglas fir, your Cortisican pine, your Sitka spruce, your larch, all of those sorts of ones. If you're in somewhere that's quite wet and prone to flooding, so maybe there's a stream or a river or a bog or something, then you might see some of those species like willow or birch or alder. If you're in a more sort of broadleaf wood, which sometimes people think of as more sort of a traditional wood in England, then depending on sort of the soil types and how much water is available, you might see the, the classic oak. Oak's always amazing to look out for. You might see beech and they have those lovely coppery leaves at this time of year, or you might sort of see ash, especially if you're in an area where there's quite a lot of limestone. So yeah, loads of different ones to look out for. I'm not a great tree ID person um, my colleagues are much better at it but I do like to look out for things like a handsome tree that's my uh, technical term so that's just a tree that when I look at it I think you are a good looking tree I like you I want to take a photo of you so as well as looking for kind of species you can play little games a bit more like that so oh that's a very tall tree or, or that's a very gnarly tree or oh that's a very misshapen tree or that's a really nice, symmetrical, handsome tree. That's how I like to do tree ID. <laughs> Karen Price is the Community Coordinator at Western Burt Arboretum. I am based at Western Burt National Arboretum. So we are slightly different to so more common, well-known forestry England sites in that we are a Victorian tree collection. So 192 years old, I believe. So celebrating our 200th anniversary soon. We're a 600 acre site and we have two and a half thousand different types of tree and then thousands and thousands of trees in total and a mixture of this amazing Victorian tree collection that people come from around the world to visit and semi-ancient woodland so they're kind of both on the same site and when the original family the Holfords ran out of space in their arboretum they started planting their specimen trees in the woodland as well so you'll be in hazel and oak coppice and next to you there'll be some giant redwoods and she also has some tips on tree spotting trees have a different scent as well so some trees we have a tree here that smells of candy floss in the autumn so it's always quite a good one to identify but some timbers smell differently so we're currently making a timber frame structure that needs two and a half thousand wooden roof tiles from western red cedar I know now exactly what Western Red Cedar smells like. It's got a very distinctive smell because I've been making them. So use all your senses, probably not taste, but the rest, use them all to get that full picture. And also start local to you. You don't have to go out into a forest or into woodland. The local supermarket always has trees and very often older and birch. So they're good ones to start IDing. On streets, you'll often find things like London Plain. And cherry is quite a common one. So cherry in spring from the blossom, you'll easily identify. And it has stripy bark. It's quite a useful one. And then once you've kind of got those first few, you can then start kind of expanding out to the more, more obscure ones. There's a tree called the spindle I'd never even heard of until I started working for Forestry England. And it apparently doesn't grow that much that commonly in the north, which is where I'm from. So I just never even come across it. And it's got a amazing pink and orange flower in the autumn and it's also what they traditionally make drop spindles for spinning from. And Karen gives some really good advice. I think don't worry if you're not a tree geek or a tree expert 
before I started here, I could identify more types of crab than I could tree. And I was like 12 or 13 types of crab. I was quite impressed. Now, my tree knowledge has way surpassed that. I've got to the point I can now look at a piece of timber, if it's still got the bark on, and think, oh, well, that's holly, or that's ash, or that's oak. But it's start, start basic, use everything, all your senses to look at it. So you're looking at the leaves, you're looking at the bark, you're looking at the seeds and the acorns, etc., or the pine cones that it produces. So it's the whole picture forms that identification. Then you become used to kind of, I think, oh, well, actually, that looks very similar to the one over there, so it must be the same. Also look at, and I, now I am turning into a tree gig without, I do say to people at work, oh no, it's infecting me. I try so hard not to be a tree gig and this kind of somehow gets into you. But it's, it just builds like, like anything, it builds up over time. So start small, ID one or two, things like an oak or a silver birch are really quite easy to do. And then start expanding and don't worry about the difference between the two different types of oak in this country or if it's a silver birch or a downy birch it's a birch it will do. Before she started researching forest bathing Kirsten was part of several conservation volunteer groups in Wales where she helped to maintain woodland, hedges, meadows and ponds. Working outdoors through all seasons and weathers and then revisiting the same sites and seeing how they changed felt really comforting for her. Kirsten, do you think you could share some top tree tips for us? Yeah, sure. A good way to engage with trees is to try and find evidence of the wood wide web. You could go into the woods and see if you can find the hub or parent trees in a forest. These are the huge older trees which have their saplings growing nearby. Or you could find a tree that's being supported by other trees. It might have partly fallen over and be leaning on another tree, or it could just be a stump that's still alive and sending out fresh leaves. You could also find couple trees. These are two trees that grow closely together, which have complementary branch patterns, or might actually be intertwined or fused together at the trunk or branches. You can also look out for tree characters. See if you can find a face in a tree or look at the overall shape of the tree and how it's grown. How has it moved towards the light? Has it changed shape to adapt to its surroundings? Does the tree's shape remind you of anything or give it a certain character? The trick is to be curious and to slow down enough that you can wander along and notice trees in new ways. If you find a really interesting tree, please send us a picture or tag us on social media at our Park Bathe page as we really love seeing how others interpret and interact with nature. And we can all learn from each other that way. Fantastic. We found lots of our park bathers did this intuitively. And I'm sure that that was part of the increase in nature connection that we saw. And of course, there's plenty of research on why nature connection is so good for us. We've also included a link to a short BBC video in the show notes, which is brilliant for understanding the wood wide web. So look out for that. So there's plenty there to try out and we'll include more tips and ideas throughout the series too. We'll leave you with an exercise that London-based artist Emily Finch does every morning to help her ground herself. This helps her become aware of her body and her breath, which is a really good indicator of how we're feeling. So I actually draw my breath every morning, which is a very simple exercise. You, you, 
spend some time holding a pencil, noticing it, touching, feeling, smelling, doing everything that you may do when you're doing one of your park bathe sessions. If I can, I do it outside, leaning against a tree. And I simply put the pencil on a piece of paper. And on an inhale, I draw an up line. And on an exhale, I draw a down line. And it sounds like a really simple thing, but it helps me to totally absorb myself, anchor myself. And I can be there for as long as the bit of paper allows me, <laughs> which if I draw back and forwards and ups and upside down, you know, is a long old time. But it's so useful to my mental health to be able to do that. Her exercise might help you notice if you're breathing fast or shallow or even holding your breath. And it's perfect that Emily does this exercise while sitting under a tree. And the tree won't mind. The tree won't mind if you're standing there thinking, wow, today's a brilliant day. I'm feeling on top of the world. The tree also won't mind if you're standing there thinking, actually, everything feels on top of me today. I feel really, really low and I don't know what to do with it. The tree will just be there with you and just wait it out with you. So good luck befriending your local trees. If you'd like more information on our guests and Forestry England, there are links in the show notes. We will see you next time when I investigate our sensory system and the different ways we can use our sense of sight, sound, smell and touch. So subscribe so you don't miss that and do share this series with anyone you think would love to hear it. See you soon.